Good morning, church. Glad you're with us. And uh, we hope many other friends beyond our congregation are worshiping with us by way of this electronic connection. So uh, don't be discouraged. Uh, I, I know it's challenging, but don't be overwhelmed. Don't don't lose heart over this this quarantine that we're dealing with. And uh, we're praying that uh, that uh, we've already peaked. And, and, and the curve, as they say, is coming down, getting flatter, and we'll see less and less deaths. Uh, I would imagine that most of us have either heard of or directly know someone who's uh, lost their life to the virus, or at least has been affected and survived. Uh, so, so we're all feeling this, and the consequence of it, and the distancing, and the isolation, uh, so I know it's hard, and, and I get that, and I feel that as well. Don't be discouraged, and I'm glad you're here to worship uh, and, and seek the face of our God who's bigger than this or any other horrible plague in human history. So, that's where we are. We're glad you've come to worship. I'm going to ask Mark to come, and he's going to give us a, a call to worship and prayer, and then we'll go right to our announcements uh, we're going to add a song this week. We'll sing a song before the preaching, one after, and we'll proceed on. So Mark's going to come, and we'll begin our time of worship. Good morning, everyone. Uh, again, as always, thank you for welcoming us into your homes. We appreciate it, and I just pray that you would welcome God's word into your heart this morning. So our call to worship scripture comes from John uh, chapter 12, verse 13. And so they took branches of palm tree and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. So let's uh, pray and, and uh, we'll just do some small announcements. Lord, I uh, just thank you for your coming that day, Lord. Yes. And, and the thing that has been going through my mind leading up to today, Palm Sunday, is that one that you are the same God now as you were then. Yes. You came for us, Lord, and you knew what your fate was going to be, but you also knew what the outcome was going to be, that you were going to cross and conquer death for us. And Lord, that is comforting to me. One, that you would think about little old us and even come and do that while we were sinners and are still sinners. And yet you came and made that sacrifice for us, Lord. So I just pray that that would bring a, a calming spirit to us now during these pandemic times, so to speak, that, Lord, if you came and you conquered death, you can conquer COVID-19. Yes. You can conquer, you can conquer self-isolation and yes. the anxiety yes. that we're going through, Lord. So. I stand on faith knowing that, again, you are the same God now as you were then and yes. you always will be, Lord. So Amen. I am saying now that my mind is at ease because I know that you are in control, Lord. So I just pray that if somebody needed to hear that word today, Lord, that they hear it and they know that yes. you are in control of everything. Lord, I ask that your word would pour over our hearts today, pour over our spirit, and that you would use our pastor to deliver your word and your message. And these things we ask in your precious name. Amen. Amen. I uh, just want to make one quick announcement before pastor comes back up. So for those that are using the Bible app, 
If you uh, click on the More button at the bottom right of your Bible app, you'll see uh, on that menu one of the items that says Events, and you'll be able to find First Baptist Church of Blackwood as one of the events, and it has our whole order of service and all the scriptures that we'll be going over so you can follow along with that. Um, and please uh, share your YouTube and Facebook sessions out to other people so that they can worship with us. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Mark. Thank you so much for all you do. Speaking of that, I have one announcement for you, same announcement since pretty much everything has been canceled until we realize, okay, when's all this going to stop? We can get back to a, a normal schedule. So everything else is canceled. Because uh, you can't cancel Easter, obviously. So here's what I want us to do on Easter. I personally think uh, we're not being defiant. We are still being compliant. That if we uh, meet in the cemetery for sunrise service at 6.30, we won't be there long. More than 10 minutes, less than 40, definitely maybe 25.30. And uh, if we stand six feet apart and... and uh, I think we'll be fine. So I'll be there at 6.30 next Sunday morning in our cemetery. I'll run out from Church Street. And um, I, I just want to see your face and uh, hear your voice. And uh, you might want to bring an umbrella and wear a jacket. Uh, but, but we'll worship. And we'll sing out the polco. And uh, we'll, we'll, it'll just be delightful. So uh, we're doing that next Sunday morning, 6.30. 10.30, our regular worship time. We're going to try a drive-in service. We'll set up speakers in the back parking lot behind the building, and we'll get you all facing in one direction, and uh, you'll roll your windows down, and we'll sing. And uh, so I, I just want to be together on, on Easter, uh, but we can't in a conventional way. So outdoors, early morning, we'll stay distant apart and, 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 and we'll be wise about it. Uh, for our worship, stay in your car. Don't get out of the car, run around. Stay in the car and, and put your windows down and we'll sing and we'll pray and we'll be together as much as we can under these circumstances. So that's the big announcement. Let me move right on and, and give you our weekly things that we cover. We always emphasize some brother or sister in Christ who's suffering around the globe. And this week I want to read you a short paragraph about Deacon Zhang, who lives in China. Listen to this. Zhang Weishai is also known as Deacon Zhang. He's an ethnically Korean, lives in, uh, uh, born in North Korea, but he lives and ministers in Chiang Mai, China, which is a town located on China's border right across from North Korea. When North Koreans illegally visit Chiang Mai to conduct business, purchase items they can sell on the black market, or seek medicine or other help, Deacon Jang often provides them with warm clothing, food, and supplies for their return to North Korea. And he also shares the gospel with those who were willing to listen. In November of 2014, that's a few years back, in November of 2014, Deacon Zhang was abducted in China, taken to North Korea, and sentenced to 15 years in prison. 
He doesn't even live in North Korea anymore. This is China. Because he's witnessing to other North Koreans who have illegally left and going back. They sought him out, found him, crossed the border, captured him, took him back, and he's in prison. Since his imprisonment, several former prisoners have reported seeing or hearing about him. Please pray for his release. I hope that puts the coronavirus in some kind of a context for you. Here's this brother showing the kindness of Christ, but because that's a threat to the North Korean government, they've come and got him, take him back, and hopefully he's still alive in prison. Pray for this man's family, pray for others like him who are sharing the gospel where it's costing them their very lives. Our missionary for the week is Filomino, he goes by Phil, F-I-L, Filomino and Lisa Cacavala. They are in the Philippines. Mark, I should have asked you this before we began. We have pictures, we have video. video. We have a video. We'll watch the video and then we'll pray. This is Phil Kakilala, your missionary to the beautiful islands of the Philippines. In behalf of my wife Lisa and our 17-year-old daughter Justine, I greet you all mabuhay. This has been my lifelong dream, to serve as a missionary to the country of my birth, the Philippines, and for that, I thank the Lord for making it possible. I have many more items of praise, and among these are the over 100 believers baptized in Iloilo City where I live, and many more in Ilocos Norte, up north in the Philippines, and also in northern Panay Island. Please continue to pray for us and the ministry here. Remember to pray for my wife as she continues to receive treatment for some neurological problems. You have been our prayer warriors and a child of blessing from above, and for that, to God be the glory, and maraming salamat po. I love this brother's smile, and while he indicated slightly you don't know, nor do I, the full detail of the struggles he's facing, the, uh, his wife's illness, and the challenges around him uh, in, in mission work, he's doing two things primarily. Uh, he's working with what we call a change maker missionary, that is to say a, a local uh, man born in those communities, and, and he's working, discipling him, and his name is Remy, uh, and I cannot pronounce this uh, Filipino name, uh, but he's working with this young man and training him, discipling him, and, and so what the two of them together are doing are establishing a number, a number of, of, of churches in these villages 
Remy is overseeing them and then he's discipling others to pastor those village congregations and while that's going on Phil himself is, is working on sending some of these Filipino pastors as missionaries to other Asian countries because we've discovered that it's a whole lot easier to get access and visas into other countries coming from the Philippines than from somewhere else in the West. Uh, so he's doing a great work, as I said, working with change makers and, and, and those local guys planting churches, raising up leaders and leaders going to other Asian countries uh, to preach the gospel. So we're going to pray for him in just one moment. I want to add to our list of things praying about, speaking of missionaries, uh, there's been a, a slightly confusing email that went out about Sam Jordan. Sam Jordan is uh, easy to remember this, a missionary in the nation, the country of Jordan. Uh, he's got family here. His mother is 92 years old and she was uh, infected. She caught the, uh, the coronavirus. And um, they live in Georgia or wait, maybe it was Texas. And, and uh, his older brother is there with their mother and there's some confusion that she's failing or that uh, depending on the emails and, and the translation from Arabic into English it was confusing. Uh, she may have already passed, she may be failing, uh, but I want us to pray for the Jordan family, Sam and his mother and his brother and all of the heartache uh, connected to all of this. And then last of all, Akron, is, we've been talking to Akron, ask us to pray for Victoria this week. So let's pray. We're adding a song this week, there's Sam Jordan. We're going to pray, uh, we're going to sing a song before the preaching, and then we'll open the scriptures. Let's pray. God, would you be with, assuming he's still alive, this deacon that we not even an ordained pastor or missionary, just a guy who loves Jesus trying to serve people. And the North Korean government crossed the border into China, abducted him, snuck him home so they could throw him in prison. Wow! Did you encourage that man's family? Did you encourage him? Would you make him a blessing? God, please, and, and would you help us to see this is the life you call us to? of risk and sacrifice for your name's sake. Do you help us to catch that? Our brother Phil in the Philippines, the struggles, his wife's health and function, his burden to see churches planted that reach people and souls saved and his country and even beyond. How would you encourage him today? Might we be praying for him around this nation. Might he sense a surge of your grace and your peace and your power in his life and ministry. And God, we do pray for the Jordan family that you would comfort Sam who just can't get in the car and drive and go see mom. God, would you comfort him and strengthen him? And, and, and would you have your will and our request is, is always for life. But if it's your time for life to end, would you restore to us 
the real joys of Christian hope that death for us is promotion? God, would you comfort this family, strengthen and encourage this family? And for all of us who are struggling, for all of us who have some issues, someone's sick in the family, someone's rebellious and God is drawing them back. This is happening, that's happening, whatever the situation. We bring all these issues to you, to you, and this morning in particular we pray for the Harris family, for Akron, for Linda, for Victoria, all those siblings. God, would you be near to that family, please? Would you comfort us? Would you give us your hope? Would you give us your strength? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's at this moment that we would usually take the offerings, so I remind you to mail in your offerings, P.O. Box 254, Blackwood, or drop uh, by the office, and we'll make sure it gets in the treasurer's slot. But the expenses of the church go on, and therefore our support for those expenses should go on as well. I want to sing a song with you this morning before we open the scriptures, and then we'll do that. It's a Heath and Kristen Getty uh, song in Christ alone. So sing this song with me. The lyrics are on the screen. In Christ alone. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my soul This cornerstone, this solid ground Firm through the fiercest drought and storm What heights of love, what depths of peace When fears are still, when striving cease My comforter, my all and all here in the love of Christ I stand In Christ alone Who took on flesh Fullness of God in helpless faith This gift of love And righteousness Scorned by the ones he came to save Till on that cross as Jesus died The wrath of God was satisfied For every sin on him was laid Here in the death of Christ I live Baby rose again and as 
You might want to just go to chapter 22 and wait for me to catch up to you because in nine or ten events, I want to quickly, and we know when I say the word quickly from the Pope that it's a big joke for everyone, but I'm really earnest here. I, I want to survey as, as quickly as I can these nine or ten events that lead up to the crescendo in, in chapter 22, and then we'll make sense of all of it in chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews. So, we'll finish up in Genesis 22, we'll go to Hebrews chapter 11, and you'll get the full picture. But like I said, we're going to cover 25 years of life, from when Abraham is 75 to when he's 100, and these nine or ten events beginning in Genesis chapter 12. So while you're finding your way to either Genesis 12 or 22, let me stop and, and then give you this goal I want to achieve. This is the mark I want to hit. This is the big idea for our time together this morning. We've been talking about, as far back as January, what it means to be yoked to Christ. And, and then what it means to be crucified with Christ. What does it mean to be buried with Christ? We've covered all of that, I'm not sure, in fullest detail, but in at least a sufficient enough way that we're beginning to get an idea, oh, but being Christian isn't just, I prayed the prayer, I got my ticket out of hell, and leave me alone, and I'll see you when I get to heaven. No, becoming a Christian is 
No, I'm no longer attached to the world. All those chains have been broken, and I'm now yoked to Jesus. And so I go to where Jesus goes. I do what Jesus does. I think what Jesus thinks. I'm crucified with him. What does that mean? I'm buried with him. What does that mean? And I want to begin with you this morning because it's, it's April and it's Easter. What does it mean to be resurrected with Christ? What does that mean? Well, I think an Old Testament, long before Jesus came, for me, one of the perfect illustrations is the life of Abraham. And so I want to survey that life and then focus in, in the very end, Genesis 22, Hebrews chapter 11, how does this connect to, how does this connect to resurrection? So here's my sermon in a sentence. Here's my underlining big idea for the morning. God is constantly growing and stretching our faith, constantly growing and stretching our faith to get us to believe His impossible call on our life. And every one of us has a call of God in your life. Not just Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Daniel, pick your biblical character. Not just pastors. If you're born of the Spirit of God, God has put a call on your life. And that call seems to every one of us, well, this is impossible. I can never do this. I'll never be able to do this. It's supposed to feel like that. It's intended to feel like that. And yet, it is the work of God to grow us, to stretch us, to increase our faith to such a degree that we begin to actually believe. You know what? By God's grace, I can do what I used to think was impossible. I can be all that God has called me to be. Let me show you what I mean, using Abraham as an illustration. Starting in chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, God calls him to leave Leave your country, leave your family and kindred, leave everything that you know, and go to a place that I'm not even telling you where it is yet, but I'll reveal it to you step by step along the way. That's chapter 12, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. But for me, the big idea is in verse 2, I will make you a blessing. I'm not calling you to leave. I'm not calling you to go. I'm not calling you to abandon just for the sake of, well, I'm testing your obedience. No, I'm doing this because this is the way, this is the process of me transforming you that you would become a blessing to other people. Now, maybe part of the problem with us is I'm not so much interested in being a blessing to other people. I'm more concerned than just receiving a blessing for me. But when God calls us, Oh, he gives us much grace and he gives us great benefits. There's tremendous blessing when God calls us to be his children. But that's not the only objective when he calls us is that we would be his and we would inherit all that is his. No, he's called us to be a blessing to others. That's the big idea in verse 2 of chapter 12. Uh, chapter, yes, chapter 12. That, that you would be a blessing. God has called you. Well, oh, Christ, I could never be a blessing. So God made a mistake. You know better than God. God called every one of us to be a blessing. 
Now right away, in the same chapter, skip down to verse 10, chapter 12 and verse 10, so he left and he's on his way. Now he did take his nephew Lot and the details were back in verse 1 and 2, don't bring anyone with you, just leave everybody, but he brought Lot, okay, and so we, we tend to compromise our obedience, we grade on the curve ourselves, and, and, and so Lot's there and, and he gets down to Egypt and, and his wife is apparently a very attractive woman and he gets fearful and he says, look baby, here's what's going to happen. They're, they're going to kill me to get to you. So how about you say you're my sister? How about you say you're my sister? So here's Abraham who becomes this great man of faith saying, no, I don't, I don't think God can keep me alive. I don't think God can protect me. I don't think God can keep us together. So we can't trust God here. We're going to have to trust our own logic. So let's come up with this scheme. And that way, in, in fact, the language is right in verse 13, that it may go well with me and my life will be spared. Really? That's your objective, Abraham? That it would go well with you and your life would be spared? Wow. So what drives your life? Being a blessing? Opening verses of the chapter? Or just saving yourself at all expense? Even your wife's expense? This is Abraham who becomes this great man of faith. I'm willing to leave. I'll obey. But i, I got to take I, I got to take this one. And uh, you know, you just can't. Me and Sarah, I mean, come, come on, God, be reasonable. So we tend to trust God partially. I'll leave, but. And then we tend to trust God occasionally. I'll trust you until my life's at stake. Now, when my life's at stake, no, no, heals on, God, heals on. And you know those struggles. You're just like Abraham, and so am I, and we're all like you. We want to obey, but we obey with compromise and, and, and negotiating and, uh, okay, I'll obey, but, 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 I'm not going to give up my, well, what is it you're not going to give up? And I'll obey until it becomes too costly, it becomes too risky. No, no, God, I'm, 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 I'm not going to do this. Chapter 13. Then chapter 14, these next two are about Lot, dealing with his nephew Lot, who probably, if you're reading it technically, should have been left at home. I think we've all discovered, we've all discovered that the things I drag with me don't help me to be a blessing to others. They, in fact, get in the way of me being a blessing to others. And that's what's happening here in chapter 13. So, so, they're, they're moving to this place. They're wandering to this place that God has yet to reveal to them. And along the way, their flocks are increasing. And they're buying and selling and they're making money and they're hiring shepherds to come and work with them. And, 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 and it's growing and it's growing and it's growing. And so some of Lot's crew and some of Abraham's, they get into a fight. And, and we don't like you. We don't like you. And you're in our way. And it becomes a real serious confrontation. So much so that Abraham has to go to Lot and say, look, this, this isn't working. Well, of course it's not working. It shouldn't have occurred in the first place. This isn't working. So here's, here's the deal. You pick 
You go left, I'll go right. You go right, I'll go left. You go to the mountains, I'll, I'll, I'll stay here. You stay here, I'll go. And he lets his nephew pick first. And here's what strikes me, that, that on the one hand, he obeys with compromise. He's obedient until his life's at stake. But here, he's he's willing to be vulnerable. Look, you pick. You, you pick. And then I'll take what's left. That's okay. I'll take what's left. And you've had those moments too. You've had some obedient moments. You've had some godly moments. You, you've had some moments where they look like, oh, he's getting it. He's really getting it. He's, he's really showing the love of Christ. He's, he's really not being self-centered. But those other moments still exist. And they do, I'll show you, reoccur. But in this moment, Abraham looks like a good guy. He's learning some stuff. Okay. You pick, I'll, I'll take my son. I don't have to defend myself or promote myself. That's chapter 13. This chapter 14. Lot gets abducted. And so Abraham gets his shepherds. These aren't trained military people. And, and, and the scriptures are clear. In, in chapter 14 and verse 14, he gets 318 men. And off they go to rescue Lot. And they go and they find him and they, they attack the community and they get Lot and they bring him home. So now he is taking risk. He is taking risk. I will be vulnerable. I, I will think of others. So it's like he's grown in faith past, hey Sarah, you're going to kill me. Why don't you say we're brothers and sisters and, and uh, it will go well for me. He's past that. So you would think. I'll show you that. Chapter 13, chapter 14, he, there's some really good signs here. And Abraham is learning some stuff. Chapter 15, when we get back to the heart of the issue. Chapter 15, Abraham is moaning, he's murmuring, he's complaining, he's crying. God, I, I don't have any children. I don't have any lineage. I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> and, and, and all I have is, I got all these servants. I got Eleazar, he, he's like the overseer of, of, of all the, this whole operation of, of sheep and, and cattle and all that we're doing here, and, and we still haven't found this place that you're going to send me to, and I don't have any sons, and, and, and come on, God, what's the deal? What's, come on, God, I am, verse 2, childless, and notice what he says in verse 3, you, you have given me no offspring. Do you ever catch yourself trying to blame God for your discontent? As if God's in heaven crushing you? That God is making jokes with the angels and saying, hey, let's, let's do this. Let's do this today and see how I stick. As if God is to blame for all of our trouble and all of our dissatisfaction and all that we think is broken and unfair in our lives? You! have given me no offspring. Verse 3. Verse 5. Look to the heavens and see the stars. See the stars. Will light the stars. So as the stars shall your offspring be. 
Does that sound impossible? This whole thing began with impossible. I want you to leave, and I will make you a blessing. Oh, God, I can't be a blessing. And here we are in chapter 15. I'll make you such a blessing that your descendants, and you think you don't have any? You wait and see, son. You wait and see. Your descendants will be like the stars of the sky. Another place of scripture says, and like the grains of sand on the sea, or the desert. You're crying about no offspring. Abraham, you have no idea about offspring. And here's beautiful, verse 6. And he believed the Lord. Okay, okay. Finally we're getting somewhere. Chapter 15 and verse 6. He believed the Lord. I am going to have a son. And that son will have sons who have sons who have sons and daughters and sons and daughters. And this place will be flooded with children. Okay. This is good news. And he believed the Lord. And he believed the Lord. You've had moments like that too. You've had those moments, oh, this ain't going to work. This ain't going to work. I need some protection. But you've had these moments. Okay, we got to take care of a lot. And especially, you know what? I'm starting to believe God can do the impossible. Right, that's right. Wow! Wow, maybe there's something to this. God, God really can do the impossible. God can raise me from my death. Yes. Symbolically, spiritually. I have been born of the Spirit. I'm not the man I used to be. I can say no to sin. He believed God. He believed God. I can resist evil. I don't always have to be cranky and self-centered. I can be loving and other-centered. And we start to believe the impossible. Wow. Chapter 15, verse 6. Big turning point. Big turning point. But, story's not done. Chapter 16, we're introduced to a woman named Hagar. Hagar was hired to help Sarah around the house, around the tent. <laughs> and still, no son, no son, no son, no son. And finally, verse 2, 16 and verse 2, chapter 16, verse 2, Sarah says, look, the Lord has prevented me. Now, begin to dawn on me all the weeks past, just pondering this whole process. I wonder if Sarah made Abraham cranky and faithless, or Abraham made Sarah cranky and faithless. Chapter 15, Abraham says, God, you didn't give me any children. In chapter 16, Sarah says, God has prevented me from having children. But be certain of this. Whoever you're living with, whoever you worship with, whoever you work with, believers, unbelievers, professing believers who aren't believers, everyone's affecting someone else around them. That's right. You're picking up some attitudes and some theories and some practices that have nothing to do with God's call on your life. God has called every one of us to be a blessing. Yeah. To be a blessing. Yeah. And he said, I'm going to give you sons like stars in the sky. And he believed that. But now chapter 16 comes around. 
And the end of verse 2 says, Abraham listened to the voice of his wife. <laughs> now there's all kinds of jokes to be made here. But there's times that Sarah would listen to Abraham and she did something wrong. He listened to her and he did something. So who are you listening to? The God who has called you? Or the common logic from other friends at church? And they've already given up on being a blessing. They've already given up on, on believing the impossible, the illogical. They've already given up on that. So if you don't, you make them look bad. They need you to doubt the way they doubt. So we can all be comfortable with one another, filled with doubt, and limits on what we can or cannot do for God. As soon as someone gets crazy, starts believing the real promises of God, and, and, and really starts to act on them, well, that makes the rest of us look terrible. So let's just stop letting all of us be mediocre. Or we could push against that. And let's push for all of us abiding in excellence. Yeah. Interesting enough, verse 4 says, So Abraham goes in with Hagar, Sarah's housekeeper, and aid. I'm not trying to be crude. This is no artificial insemination. This is old-fashioned stuff here right here. <laughs> And Ishmael was born. That's a whole other series of sermons. Ishmael was born, and the verse says, verse 4, and Sarah looked on content, with content, on Sarah and her son. The very thing that you thought was going to help the work of God, you wind up hating it. Because you know that had nothing to do with faith. That had everything to do with doubt and self-reliance. And I hate, I hate that I brought that into being, but rather than own it, I hate her. I hate the means that I use. Well, let's blame God, let's blame her, let's blame someone else. The blame is on us for not waiting on God and doing it His way. Right, that's right. Chapter 17 after Hagar and Ishmael, chapter 17, God says, come on, I, I keep telling you, I'm going to give you yourself, not to some crazy practice of yours. No, I'm, I'm in, in, in the most appropriate way, I'm going to give you a son. Now, we, we skimmed over that, that he's been at this, by this point, 10 years. So now he's 85 years old. And God says in, in chapter 17, no, no, I will give you a son by her, in verse 16. Chapter 17, verse 16, I will give you a son by your own wife. Verse 17, Abraham fell on his face and laughed. God, this is crazy. You gotta be crazy. Ten years we've been wrestling with this. And God said, no, I've been wrestling. I've been speaking. You're the one that's wrestling, Abraham. Not me. Well, this was crazy. And he fell on his face and he laughed. This is impossible. Shall a child be born to a man who's 100 years old? And so by now, he's way past 85. you got to be kidding me. 
And then he said, come on God, just let me Ishmael. Just take Ishmael. Come on God, do it our way. And God says, son, I don't do my work your way. We try to tell God how to do church. We try to tell God how we should do parenting. We, we try to tell God how we should manage money. And God says, no, no, I, I don't want you to do it that way. I want you to do this way. And we say, well, your way is impossible. Hmm. And so we give up. Oh, we still go to church because we believe in God. And we call Him the Lord of our life. But we argue with Him on every issue. God is saying, stop doing it your way. I'm trying to make you a blessing. Anybody. There's nothing divine about conceiving Ishmael. Anybody can do that. There's nothing divine about treating people the way they treat you. You don't need the Holy Spirit to do that. There's nothing divine. There's nothing holy. There's nothing impossible about living like the American way. And we go to church. But if you cut me, I'm done with you. Hmm. Now let me tell you what's impossible. Turning the other cheek. Yeah, that's right. Going the second mile. Yeah. Returning blessing when you get cursing. Hmm. Praying for your persecutors. Not that they would receive God's wrath, but they would receive God's mercy and come to faith. Now that's impossible. Because that's divine. And you will never do the impossible until you get a huge dose of the divine in your life. And that's what God is trying to teach Abraham and that's what God is trying to teach all of us. Chapter 18, now Sarah lives. Chapter 17, Abraham's life. Chapter 18, verse 12. Come on, God! She laughed to herself. I'm old and worn out. It's kind of interesting she said that about herself. I'm old and I'm worn out. And then God says in verse 14, Look, this isn't about you. This isn't about your husband. This isn't about how old you are, how fertile or infertile you are. This has nothing to do with any of that. The big question looming in verse 14 is this. Chapter 1, chapter 18, verse 14. Is anything too hard for God? Is anything too hard for God? There's the issue. There's the issue. What are you facing in your life? What do you think is impossible? What do you think is illogical? What do you think God is calling you to do? This ain't never going to happen. This is craziness. Well, it might be to you. It might be impossible to you. It might be improbable to you. But nothing's too big, too hard, too outrageous for God. Nothing. Nothing. And until you believe that, you're not going to be much of a blessing to anybody. That's right. That's right. Until this basic issue gets settled deep within our souls. We're not going to be much of a blessing to anybody. God can save even your marriage. God can restore even your children. 
God, is anything too hard for me? If that's his calling on your life, if that's his will, if that's his purpose, nothing too hard for God. That's right. Come on. There's nothing too hard. If there is, then, then why do we believe in the resurrection? Well, that, that, that was Jesus. So, I'm sure Jesus can rise from the I can't rise from the dead. Really? Really? So God can't give you new life, and the old man is gone, and there's a new... Well, no, I just go to church, and I'm going to the same person. Hmm. If you believe that, you're not born again. Hmm. If you believe that, you're not born again. Hmm. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. It's a resurrection. The old man is gone, and I'm new in Christ. Well, I know I'm forgiven, but I don't feel new. <laughs> then God is working faith in you. That we might believe even the impossible. Interestingly enough, I didn't list it there in the notes, but in chapter 20, now look at the decline. Chapter 17, Abraham laughs. That is crazy. Chapter 18, Sarah laughs. This is crazy. I didn't put it in printed notes. Chapter 20, round two of the She's My Sister story. Because when we get stupid, we really get stupid. And you've noticed it in your life. You're either spiraling up or you're spiraling down. And there's times that I'm spiraling up. I'm in the scriptures and, and, and I'm fighting my flesh and I'm walking with Jesus and, and, and insights are coming and the Bible's alive and I am being a blessing to people. And my wife say, I like this guy. <laughs> and then there's those other times that I'm mad and God did this to me, and God did this to me, and how come I can't do this, and how come this is denied me, and what about this, everyone else is doing that? And my wife says, I don't much like this guy at all. Mm. Chapter 21, this is all just not to the point yet. Chapter 21, now here's real laughter. Abraham's 100 years old, verse 5. Chapter 21, verse 5, he's 100 years old. Isaac was born. There it is. Isaac was born. Isaac was, the promise came to pass. The impossible happened. The impossible happened. And look what it says, verse 6. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Chapter 17 and 18 is the sarcastic laughter of doubt. Chapter 21, well that's the holy laughter of, oh my goodness, God kept his impossible promise. Right. That's right. Imagine the laughter when your prodigals come home. Yeah. Imagine the laughter when your spouse comes home. Imagine the, 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 the laughter when, okay, God, you run our finances. We're scared to death. Yeah. But we're trusting you in faith. Just like we trust you forgive us, we trust you to direct us, even in our finances. Yeah. And when it really comes around to it, oh my goodness. And we begin to, with worship, smile. That's holy laughter. Years ago, there was some cockamamie thing up in Canada about holy laughter, and people went to watch, and it was chaos, and 
I'm not talking about that here in chapter 21. I'm talking about, oh my goodness, God has been so gracious to my inconsistent, up and down, in and out life. I trust Him, I don't trust Him. I love Him, I'm mad at Him. Oh my goodness, He's kept His word. He did the impossible. Oh my goodness, God has been so good to me. That's chapter 21, verse 6. God made laughter for me. Now finally, i got 20 minutes left. Here's the sermon. That just gets us to it. That, that, that's just the pavement up to the point. Here's the point. Chapter 22. Are you with me? Genesis chapter 22. Look at verse 1 and 2. After these things God tested Abraham and said, You might think, you might think, that chapter 21 is the end of the story. Holy laughter. Oh, God came through. God kept his promise. Look. Here's my sermon in the sentence. Remember where we started? God is constantly growing and stretching our faith. This never stops. God is constantly growing and stretching our faith. That we get to the place that God can do whatever he wills to do, even if to me it looks like it's impossible. So what's happening here is, is, is in, in, in chapter 22, God says, God says, verse 1, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Which is really a nice way of the opposite. We typically say, oh God, yeah, what? What is it this time? No, it's, it's I'm all yours, God. I'm in. I've learned my lesson. You, you don't have to yell at me anymore. I, I see it. You did the impossible. Nothing is too hard for you, God. Okay, okay. Verse 2. Take your only son. The son that you love. Not Ishmael. I don't hate Ishmael, but he's not the chosen one. Take your only son. The son of my provision. Not fleshly provision. But the miraculous son. The impossible fulfillment of promise. You take that son and offer him up and burn off it. You know what's beautiful about this story? He doesn't immediately revert back to, to anger and doubt and self-preservation and say, What? 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 You crazy? He seems to say, Ah, okay. Okay. And that's what I want to explore with you for 15, 20 minutes. Okay, God. Okay, here we go. It's not resistance and doubt and rage. It's wow, that's that's you're taking me to the limits here, God. But okay, I'm 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 walking with you. I'm staying with you. I'm hanging in there. Can you do that? Are you still back in in the ramp up to the big stuff? Where are you? You're walking with God. Stay in chapter twenty-two. And for the sake of time, go right to verse 12. The paragraph starts in verse 7. But go right to verse 12. Now, we got, we got to read this other stuff. we we, we got to read this other stuff. First, Isaac says, Dad, Dad, we, we got the wood and, and we got something to make fire. Where's, where's, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham said, God will provide. God, God will provide. So verse 9, they built the altar, they put the wood, he bound his son, he tied him up. 
Had they stopped talking? Was Isaac saying, Dad, what have we done? Is Isaac 9? Is he 14? Is he 18? Dad, you said God will provide. Why are you tying me up? Verse 10, he reached out his hand, took the knife, took... This is even hard to envision. So they, they built this little altar platform. And, and the boy is laying there. And he's bound, whatever that means. And Abraham takes the knife. And he's going to plunge it into his chest. Or his throat. Now most of us right now are screaming, this is inhumane, this is inappropriate, this is right, this is stupid, God would never ask us to do this. Well, literally, okay, I get your point, but you want to see, you want to see from the scriptures, you want to see from the scriptures what's going on in the mind of Abraham's thinking. Verse 11, the angel of said, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. And the angel says, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you have great regard for God, that you fear God, that you trust God, that you've come to real faith. Real faith. Last line of verse 12. Seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. So the big question that pops up now in verse 12 is, what is it in your life that's untouchable even to God? God, I love you. I'm going to obey you. But not this. Not my income. Not my reputation. Not my six weeks of vacation. Not what is it that's untouchable to God? God, I'll serve and I'll do this and I'll, 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 you know, maybe do that and I'll try and be nice and I'll, but I, God, I'm not doing this because it's just not right for you to ask for this. And we got some little private spot. We shove everything that is very meaningful to us in that spot. So God, you can't touch this. Don't, don't touch this, God. This, this is mine. You, you can't touch this. What's in your closet like that? What are you trying to hide from God? What, what are you keeping for yourself? What is it? Who is it? Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And this is where it all comes together. This is where it all makes sense. Oh! Oh! This is what Abraham was thinking. And this is what i got to start thinking. What we're about to see right here. One last prep, kind of preparatory, and then we'll get to the big point. The big finish. <laughs> Hebrews 11, uh, starting in verse 8, the paragraph starts in verse 8, Abraham obeyed, and he was called to leave. He went, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to land of promise, like a foreign land, living in tents. He was looking for a city whose builder and maker, designer and builder is God. Same with Sarah. You know what strikes me about this? There's no mention here. Oh yeah, yeah, they obey, but they obey, but but 
And it is, and it is. Do you see here that when God is inspiring Paul to, to write this stuff, he doesn't he doesn't magnify the moments of doubt and reluctance and disobedience. He says they obey. I want you to catch that because we think God is watching every little thing. And every time I do something, hey, hey, you did that, you did that, you did that. You know we, you know why we think God is that way? Because we are that way. Yeah. Yeah. We treat our spouses that way. We treat our children that way. Yeah. We, treat people, we treat the people at work who answer to you, whether you're a supervisor or the boss or the owner or whatever you are. We like control. We like authority. We like telling people what they should and should not do and how they ought to think and behave. God's heart is not like that and He has the right to do that. God's heart is to get us to believe, to walk with Him, to be so saturated with Him that if He does the impossible, and he wants to make me a blessing to people. You know what? I believe that he can make even me a blessing to people. I believe that he can use me. I believe that I will have a lineage. Whether it's biological children or spiritual children that I have discipled. I have a dear friend in Colorado. He has two sons. One is not born again. One is. But he has literally by now hundreds of sons that he's either discipled directly or been a grandfather. That is to say, he discipled this one. Who discipled this one? Who discipled this one? Who discipled this one? And there are literally hundreds of men, not just in Colorado, but they are now around the globe being a blessing to people. Because this man discipled them. That's his lineage. That's the blessing he's become. Do you believe God can do that with you? That he's put a call on your life to be a blessing. We're up and we're down. We're up and we're down. And God's trying to get us to the place to know that there's nothing that I protect. There's nothing that I keep from God. Nothing. And he mentions the same thing about Sarah. Look at verse 12. Verse 12 is the impossible. From one man, and him as good as dead. And he's 100 years old. His wife is 90. I'm not trying to be crude. He had no seed, and she had no eggs for a long time. Right. And stuff wasn't working. And then all of a sudden, they decided, we're going to believe God. We're going to believe God. Him as good as dead. Here's the fulfillment of the prophecy. There was born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and grains of sand at the seashore. Well, come on, Pastor. Come on, that's, that's Abraham. We just surveyed Abraham's 25 years of his adult life. Did he look like this sinless hero? He's just like me and you. He's just like Jonah who got mad at God. Who's just 
like Job, who maybe didn't get mad, but said, God, I don't understand. What are you doing? Just like Samson, he's up and down. He's, he's, he's hiding for Israel, and he's sleeping with some, some Gentile woman. Abraham's no different than us. We're no different than him. And God is working in us just like God was working in Abraham to get us to the place. To progressively, step by step by step, get us to the place. And we get, you know what, God, I'm not hiding anything from you. Take this, take this, take this, take this. I don't, I don't want to lose my wife, God, but she's not my wife. She's your daughter. Take, take my name. Take my kids. Take my grandkids. Take my name. Take this ministry. God, God, everything is yours. How can you get stuff up? Uh, I'm glad you asked that question. Look at chapter, uh, we're still in chapter 11. Let's get down to verse 17. Chapter 11, verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his son. Hmm. Verse 19 is the key. Verse 19 is the key. Memorize verse 19. Build your life on verse 19. Verse 19 deep into your soul. Abraham did what he did. He was able to do what he did. Nothing was held back from God. Nothing is impossible for God. And because he wasn't holding anything back, and he believed God can do anything he wants to do, verse 19 says, he considered that God was able even to raise him up from the dead. There's two big words you've got to think about when you think about the life of Abraham. First is obviously the word faith. And second, it's faith even to the point of the impossible work of resurrection. We can't talk about Easter. We can't, we can't spend the month of April talking about we're raised with Christ until you catch this, what's going on in Abraham's life here. I'm going to begin the month with this picture with you. Here's a man that had doubts and confusion and frustration and, and, and this is illogical. I must be crazy. God, you're crazy. To the point he says, you know what? I, I, I'm the one that's crazy. God knows exactly what he's doing and I'm convinced that nothing is too hard for him. And if he's telling me to do this, he will give him back to me. He will give him back to me. I'm not really losing. I'm not losing. God will give him back to me. I'm not losing my son. I'm gaining my son with the power of God on him. He will give him back to me. Abraham believed in resurrection long before any prophecies of Jesus. Abraham believed in resurrection. He believed that nothing was impossible for God. Isn't this what Jesus means when he says, if you claim to your life, you actually lose it, but when you lose it for my name's sake, yeah. I'll give it back to you. Yeah. You actually gain it. See, we don't give up stuff because we're afraid of losing Losing control, losing my possessions, losing my kids, losing my name, losing my money. And God says, give it to me. And I'll give it back to you. Press down, shake and get it, pull it up. Give it to me. 
Okay, I, I, you know, I, 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 I give someone, I, I can't tithe yet, you know, my budget's too crazy. No, we're tithing. We're, in fact, we're doing more than tithing. In fact, you should let me preach on that, Pastor Dave. <laughs> well, what area are you not surrendering? Your schedule? I, I don't know. You know. God is constantly growing and stretching our faith to get us to the point that we believe the impossible. God can save this marriage. God can bring my father kids home. I never will have Okay. Okay. Then you're stuck. You're stuck. And you don't even like the place you're stuck in but you're doing that to yourself. You're laughing at God because you think this is crazy. Sarah laughed at the end because she realized she was wrong the whole time. And God gave her a joy she didn't think she'd ever know. And then the last stretch. Take the son that you worked for or, or waited for and longed for and finally miraculously received. Take that son and give him to me. Oh, no, 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 no. You win that. You are crazy, God. We're not doing that. Hebrews 11 verse 19 says this. Abraham believed that he would give him back. That he would give him back. The stuff you're afraid of losing. How would you like to get it back? And when you get it back, it's so much better than when you were clinging to it with your own control. It's so much better. Because it's got the anointing of God on it, on them, on your marriage, on your stuff. Why don't you give it to God? Why don't you believe in the resurrection? When we die to ourselves, we don't stop breathing and living and being a blessing. I can't really be a blessing to others until I die to myself, and self is replaced with his righteousness, because it's his righteousness that actually makes me the blessing to other people. That's right. That's right. But I'll never know his righteousness until I put off the old man and put on the new man. Doctrine of resurrection is all over the Bible. We're trying to avoid it because we don't understand it and it's too painful for us. So I'll just pray the prayer. I'll just pray the prayer. And and I won't, you know, I don't have to be a, a real, you know, wonderful Christian like this person, that person, or, or Abraham. I'll, I'll just, I pray the prayer and I'll go to church and, and I'll be good. I think the Bible is saying to all of us, no, you, you want to walk with me? And step by step by step, I'm going to chip away and knock off and, and cut away from you all the stuff that's keeping you from trusting me. Right. Right. And those right. who are truly born again, they'll get on board. Yeah. They'll come along. Yes. And step by step, just like Abraham, step by step along the way, he will get us to the place that we believe the impossible, and because we believe the impossible, therefore, nothing is heaven back. Right. Because nothing is too hard for God. He can heal me if he wants to. If he doesn't, I'm with him. 
Either way, I get healed. On earth or in heaven, either way, I get healed. God can do whatever God wants to do. The problem is not his power. The problem is my confidence in his power. That's the doctrine of resurrection. And because Abraham has seen God's faithfulness in many other areas, when God asked him to do the crazy impossible, conceiving in a hundred, that's pretty impossible. Offering the son that you longed for? The chosen one? No, I can do this. You know why? Because God will give him back to him. Because God is a God of resurrection. Mm -hmm. I love verse 19 of Hebrews 11. I love verse 19. That God was able to raise him from the dead. From which, figuratively, he did receive him back. You know what that means? Emotionally. Abraham never said, you're dead to me. <laughs> but he did say, son, you're not really mine. You're God's. Yeah. You're God's. I love you, son. Yeah. You have no idea how much we prayed to get you. I love Ishmael, but son, son something special about you. God's hand is on you. I love you, Isaac. I love you, son. But I'm giving you to God. Yeah. Why was he able to do that? Because he knew he would receive him back. He knew he would receive him back. You got some stuff that God wants to give it back to you with his anointing all over it. But you can't let it go. Your reputation, your position, your station, your image. What is it? And I'm saying, you're stuck. You're not even happy, you're cranky. But you think letting go is going to make it worse. It's the key to seeing the work of God do the impossible. Yeah. It's the key. Letting it go. Giving it to God. God is yours. It's, it's, it's yours. It's not my church. That's right. And I routinely try to give you up to God. My three daughters and all their children, not mine. They're God's. And my worst fear is that karma will die before I do and I'll be walking around in circles and babbling. <laughs> the Holy Spirit says, why don't, why don't you trust me? Yeah. You think you have to control everything. You're right, God. You're right. So I give you people. I give you stuff. I give you my fears. Believing you'll give them back to me, not my fears, but you'll give me your assurance and, and, and you'll give me resurrection views and images and experiences and, 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 and hope. That's what it is to be a Christian. That's what it is to be crucified and buried and now raised with Christ. We believe in the power of the resurrection, not just to raise Jesus from the dead so I can have eternal life. That's great for me. No, he, he wants to work resurrection in your life day by day. Day by day in your life. That you would be a blessing to others. And they would ask you a reason of the hope that they see with you. Yeah. 
I want to sing. There's this song that's been out for a while. It's not new. It's an older Babby Mason song. We talked about it last Wednesday. If you want Bible study with us, virtual Bible study last Wednesday night, I mentioned at the very end, the name of the song is Trust His Heart. Do you understand what God is doing? If you think he's asking you to do the impossible, and I'm telling you he is all the time, just because you don't understand logically what he's doing doesn't mean you have the right to rebel. If we know anything about the heart of God, we know it's good. I gave you a brief view of that. And in the first reference from Hebrews, first paragraph that we looked at, that when he sums up the life of Abraham and Sarah, he doesn't go in there all their failures and doubt. Because the heart of God is good towards us. The heart of God is good towards us. So this song says, if you don't understand, you can't see his plan. Don't get mad. Don't shut down. Don't hold back. Trust his heart. But he sees the first and the last. 
scriptures and for my own heart for you. Trust him. Mm. Not gonna hurt you. Mm. You can trust him. Mm. Uh, just one more announcement before I do the benediction. I feel like a, a teenager now doing the, the whole YouTube plug and everything, but if you're uh, Looking at this on Facebook or YouTube, please follow us on Facebook. Please subscribe on YouTube and you can get notifications of when we go live so that you don't miss service. Uh, the sermon, the audio will also be uploaded to Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast, uh, maybe about a half hour after service. Uh, our benediction today comes from James chapter 1 verse 12 and it's blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Thank you for worshiping with us. We are dismissed. Amen. Amen. Amen.